So we said yesterday, one of the guidelines was that uh, the Jews were no longer allowed to keep their payas. Now, many officers turned the enforcement of this rule into a sport. And when they would arrive in the marketplace, if they saw this Jew had payas, he would be grabbed and his payas would be cut off with scissors. Or worse, just take their bayonet, right, the knife that goes on top of the gun, and just cut off. And if a little piece of the ear happens to get cut off also, all right. I didn't really care too much. And if he was wearing a long jacket, it, they, would just, they would just slice it, slice off the, the bottom half. And, and the terrified idiot, what are you going to do? You're going to fight with the guards? And, and, and if you protest, ooh, then you get arrested and you get forced into the army. So you're not going to protest. Now, in some cities, the brutality of the officers was just crazy. Um, realizing that uh, many of them were now hiding their payas under hats. Why? You know Ger Hasidim? Yeah. You don't see their long payas out. You know why? Because they tie it on top of their head. It comes from this. Right? This is the source. So, so realizing that many Yidin were starting to do this, they would cover it under the yarmulke or the hat. They would go from house to house to enforce this rule. Right? We said the story with Hill Parcher, that the guards came into his house and they wanted to cut off his payas and he was screaming and he had his hands over his payas and they were beating him until he would let go, but he wouldn't. And the next door neighbor heard the screaming and he comes in and he happened to be a tailor. And he came in and he, told, he said, listen, if you guys let him go, I'll make you each a nice, beautiful suit. And he was a very famous tailor, so they agreed. For them, it's worth it. Um, and they, and, and uh, Hill promised him that he uh, is going to get buried next to him. And the, and the guy happened to be uh, traveling around like right, right when he was, before he died. And he died in this little town. Nobody knew who he was. So they just buried him in the one grave that was available, which happened to be right next to Hill Parger. Anyways... The, so that was the second set of guidelines. So the, the third and final set of guidelines, which was publicized in 1851, was even worse than the ones before. Especially after what we just learned today in Halacha. A married woman was not allowed to cut her hair short or wear a head covering. And once again, the officers found pleasure in finding anyone who disobeyed this rule, and they made it a game. They, they would, uh, if they saw a woman with her hair covered in public, they would just yank it off. Now imagine how embarrassing that is for a Jewish woman who her whole life covers her hair, and all of a sudden this guard cut. and what are you gonna do? There's no stopping it. And if the woman kept her hair long, I mean, in those days all the, all the women would cut their hair short, the, 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 the married women. So if they kept their hair long, so that was punishment enough that her hair would have to be out like that. Suffer embarrassment walking the street like that. If, however, they noticed that her hair was cut short, so first what they would do is they would pour um, freezing cold water on her head. And afterwards, they would just drag her to prison. So out of fear of what might happen, many women, they didn't go outside their house for years. They didn't. If they needed to go shopping... You send the unmarried girls to go shopping. Uh, or, or if they have a younger sister or something like that. And at this point, finally, the true purpose of these guidelines became clear to everyone. The government was trying to weaken Yahadus, Jewish observance. So the Rabbanim 
publicized their ruling that according to halacha, a married woman must cut her hair short and keep her head covered. And they were all encouraged to keep strong in this. And many of these women, they put themselves in serious danger in order to listen to the Rabbanim's ruling. Now at the same time, the guidelines for the men's dress was also made stricter and the men were now forbidden to cover their heads in the traditional Jewish way. Additionally, efforts were being made to encourage men to cut off their beards or at least trim the beards. And the Rabbanim declared that all Yidin, men and women should disobey these new guidelines. Because we, we already learned in Yadus, hello. What are, when is the time that you have to be Meiser Nefesh? So number one, if it's Gilaraj Vichdam and that's one type. Then if it's a, it's going to make a Chila Hashem Barabim. And then the fourth thing, the, the third thing, Shas Hashmad. That means even for a minog, you have, to, you have to risk your life. So over here, this is a shasha smad. They're trying to make Yiddin, leave Yiddishkeit. And the effects of these new gazetas were disastrous. And there was a very big gap formed in the Yiddin between those Yiddin who stayed strong in their learning and, 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 and they kept what their ancestors kept and those who gave in to the government. Now, once Jewish men started walking around without their head covered in public, that, that's a, it's a downward slope, right? First you stop uncovering your head and before you know it, one thing leads to another until you start adopting many non-Jewish lifestyle things. And the following story shows the powerful effect that this Kazera had even on men who were considered like Hasidish. So once a Hasid enters the Tzemach Sadek's room for Yechidus, wearing a, a short jacket and a modern hat with a brim, in those days, there was no such thing. A chassid doesn't wear a hat with a brim. So to his astonishment, however, the Rebbe didn't recognize him, even though he came to the Rebbe so many times. And the Gabbai tells the Rebbe, this is so-and-so. And the Rebbe said, whoa, wow, really? He changed his garments. And that has brought about such a change in him. I don't recognize the guy anymore. Now, although the Tzemach Tzedek was consumed with finding a solution for these deep troubles that were that they were on the Jewish nation. He was extremely disheartened by them. It, it drove him crazy. He nevertheless felt the inner happiness. He felt that these problems were all part of the necessary pain and suffering that the Jewish nation should have, has to go through right before the coming of Mashiach. And Taka in 1847, he quoted the opinion that Mashiach was supposed to, was supposed to arrive in the next year. In, in uh, Memches, not Memches, sorry, uh, in, in, in the year Ches, Tafresh Ches, so 1848. So the following year when that didn't happen, the, the, the whole year goes by, the whole year, Tafresh Ches, Mashiach didn't come. So the Rebbe Maharash goes to his father, the Semach Sadek, and he says, what happened? You said there would be Mashiach who come, there would be tremendous revelations of godliness. Didn't happen. And the Semach Sadek said, what are you talking about? I printed Lakote Teira. And he was implying that the, the, the printing of the Kutte Torah was a huge spreading of Hasidus. That itself was like a foretaste of the of Mashiach. However, his son wasn't satisfied. And he, and he said, but Patati, we need Mashiach here in this physical world. Not just Baruch Nias. 
Right? That's, that, that's the story. Now, it, with all this going on, there were many celebrations and milestones in his personal life. So first of all, um, in uh, Tafresh Ches, 1848, his oldest granddaughter got married. And such an occasion would obviously bring happiness to any grandparent. However, for the Tzemach Sedek, this was even a more significant connection. Years earlier, his grandfather, the Alter Rebbe, told him that he would get his highest level of understanding when he would have his own minion. So, how many? He was one in the minion, right? How many sons did the Tzemach Sedek have? Seven. So that was eight. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. He needed, he, I'm sorry. He wasn't counted in the minion himself. So he had it was seven sons, and then he had two daughters who were married, so two sons-in-law. That was nine. And now finally, the grandson. Now, years later, the Rebbe Maharaj said that Hasidin named that year a year of light. And he finished that it was Taka, a year of plenty and happiness. However, as we're going to see tomorrow, that there was, we already spoke a lot about the conference of 1840. Three, now we're holding by the conference of 1848.